In 2010, college freshman football player Chris Norton was making a routine tackle on a kickoff at Lutheran College when in an instant his life would change as he became a quadriplegic. His story is the subject of the movie Seven Yards and the way Chris and his family leaned on God from the instant his limp body hit the turf on that day until today is truly inspirational. I started my conversation with Chris Norton by asking him where he grew up. Born and raised in Iowa. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where my, my roots are and where I kind of call home. So where did you end up going to high school? And was it for all four years? Was it a small enough high school that they ha- that had freshmen all the way up to seniors in the same school? Yeah, actually, um, we had our seventh and eighth graders were with the high school. It was all kind of actually kind of blended and used a lot of the same classrooms and hallways. So that was pretty intimidating, you know, as a seventh <laughs> grader, um, brushing shoulders with some of these giant, what at that time seemed like giants. So t- t- tell me about growing up in the Norton household. What, did you grow up in a Christian atmosphere? And, and talk about that and, and your siblings as well. Yeah, so I, the Norton household, um, I'm just really fortunate. I have very just kind, loving, hardworking parents that you know, are great role models. And they really um, instill a lot of confidence in me. They encourage me to go for my, my dreams and goals. Uh, they you know, they taught me about God. They would drag me to church on Sundays, although I would um, usually try to plead with them and talk them out of it. Um, just trying to sleep in, but I'm really thankful that they did um, teach me about God and, and help me establish a faith in my life because that'd, that'd be really important to me. I was a middle child. I had an older sister, Alex, who was about uh, four years older than me, and then uh, a younger sister who was about four years younger than me. So I was sandwiched right in the middle. And um, yeah, we just, we were a really close family. Um, we, we spent a lot of time together. A very social family where we love being with people and um, just having fun. But uh, my dad, he really, and my mom, they really taught me about um, taking accountability for your life. And that really helped shape, I believe, my resilience um, to overcome some of the hardships that I would face later on. And you know, so my dad told me, if you don't like where you're at, then do something about it. And that just really helped me to take um, responsibility for all my outcomes, the good and the bad. And, you know, the more responsibility you accept, the better you'll respond to adversity. And I had no idea just how important that lesson would be later on in my life. Tell me about playing sports at an early age. Did you play typical football, basketball, baseball? Did you gravitate to any other kind of sport? And why did you end up playing college football and not anything else? I played all the sports growing up, uh, everything underneath the sun, I feel like, um, you know, soccer, baseball, I ran track, yeah, football, basketball. And my love, though, for sports really kind of petered, though, back and forth between basketball and football. It really depended on what season was being played. And as a kid, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he was a big college football fan, but not necessarily a professional um, I can remember some of my buddies, uh, you may had a couple professional teams. I started gravitating to watching them. I started watching the Minnesota Vikings when uh, Chris Carter and Randy Moss were playing. 
and uh, I really liked how Chris Carter had the same name as me, that same first <laughs> name. So I've always wa- I've always wanted to be a wide receiver at an early age. I always wanted to be the wide out making these, um, you know, toe tapping catches on the sidelines. And so I I love playing football. I love making the catches. And um, then once we started getting the pads on, uh, the first time I think I put the pads on were in sixth grade. And um, you know I'm a I'm a kind I'm a kind of a peacemaker kind of person, um, soft spoken. I'm not a very loud vocal, um, loudest person of the bunch. But when I put the pads on, I just felt like this adrenaline rush, this um, this this love for contact, and I wasn't afraid of it. And early on, I was probably one of the most undersized. Um, players out there. I was kind of late grower, um, but I was the middle linebacker. I was probably the smallest guy on my team, but they put me at middle linebacker because I was going to fly wherever that ball was going to go to. I had good instincts and I wasn't afraid to make the contact. So um, I know people had a, got a big kick out of watching this little guy running around uh, making tackles all over the field. And that's just kind of how I played, you know, as I got older. I just loved making contact and so although I played wide receiver uh, I was just naturally just good on the defensive side just because of the whole physical aspect of it Um, but I also I played a lot of basketball Uh, I thought I was actually going to play college basketball for a while but I just decided that you know football I'd probably only get four more years I don't foresee I didn't foresee myself playing any more football after those four years of college so uh, I might as well get those four more years of, of pads um, whereas basketball, you know, I could play in the old men's league uh, and continue, you know, <laughs> shooting the ball around um, on my leisure time. So uh, let's let's lace up the pads four more years, which is why I ended up playing college football over basketball. I chuckle, Chris, because I'm 60 now, and I've been playing basketball my whole life, and I actually just went out with a bunch of 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds last night to play pickup basketball, and it would have been a sight to see, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, That's why I chuckled Mm -hmm. when you brought up the old man uh, basketball. So you you go to Luther College, Division III school in Iowa. Why Luther? Was that your first choice? It wasn't my first choice. Um, It was probably in my top, like, three or four um, for the longest time, but I was actually going to go to Central College uh, in Pella, Iowa. They have a, a really well-respected football program. I really liked the coaches, and I just kind of was like, you know what, I'll just, maybe I'll just go there and um, play four years of college ball. But my high school coach, uh, he's an assistant coach, he's a teacher of mine. I really en- enjoyed him. He coached me about almost every sport. But he's a, he played at Luther College for football and he's like man I'm telling you I feel like you're a Luther guy can you please just for me like give it one more chance can you just like do an overnight like really like experience the campus and get a feel for what it's like because you know Luther College it was like a three hour drive and honestly it's out of laziness it's like man I don't know if I want to you know spend a whole weekend and the drive to go up there uh, and Pella was just like um, like a 40-minute drive. But, you know, after talking to him, I said, okay, I'll do it. 
And I did that visit, and I just really connected with the guys and the campus. And I just really fell in love with it. And I knew right away when that visit was over, like, this is where I'm going to go. Like, there's no doubt about it. And so it was pretty late, you know, in the spring of my senior year when I decided that. I know um, Central was pretty disappointed that I made that, you know, switch, but it was the right thing for me. And I'm really glad that, you know, I went there because, you know, I made some lifelong friends. Talking with Chris Norton, motivational speaker, and he is the subject of the uh, new movie uh, called Seven Yards that is available on a couple of different platforms, Netflix. That's where I saw the movie. You're midway through your freshman year or so, and you're on special teams and a collision uh, trying to tackle a return man. Um, You went down uh, in a heap, basically, on contact. Uh, But I know that you were uh, still awake. Uh, You weren't knocked out, and you were very aware of everything that was going on. At the time, did you think, I just suffered the worst stinger of all time. And, and and how long after that hit did you realize that you you couldn't move any body parts? Yeah, it was pretty um, scary. Well, just not necessarily scary, but just odd. Um, because I made a lot of tackles in, in my life and a lot of hard hits. And this one just felt like any other tackle that you made. And... I had no ringing of the ears. I was completely conscious. I wasn't rattled at all. I just felt like a, a regular play, but nothing in my body was working. You know, I'm trying to push off the ground, but nothing's happening. I, I can't move. Like someone just flipped the power off to my body. And so I'm just thinking, wow, this, this yeah, this must be a really bad stinger. I, I must have to wait it out and, until I can get my feeling and movement back. You know, out of the corner of my eye, I can see the defense huddled up. Uh, they're all kind of looking out, waiting for me to get up off the field. And I'm just thinking, wow, like, this game has now stopped for me. This is embarrassing. Like, i got to get up. And so I'm just kind of, like, pleading with myself, like, Chris, come on. Like, what is going on? Like, i got to move. And, you know, I still, I just believed it was a, a bad stinger because, you know, growing up, small town Iowa, I kind of felt like I lived in a bubble, you know, Nothing really bad happened to me. Uh, you know, things just always worked out. And so I just thought there's no way something serious is happening. Uh, you know, bad things happen to other people that you read about in the television, you um, read about in your newspaper, but there's, you know, no way something bad could possibly be happening to me. And and so I'm calm, and they're asking me these questions. You try to make a fist with your hand. I couldn't make a fist. And then I hear a paramedic radio in for a helicopter um, to come pick me up and that's when I know holy cow this is bad Uh, at this point I I didn't really know what was happening or what was going to happen to me I just closed my eyes to try to escape the reality and try to not um, I just don't want to see what was happening before me it was just too real too scary and then I just pray to God, just, God, please just give me the strength to uh, get up off the field, walk over to my teammates. Like, I just, I just want to be a normal college student. And uh, I was like, I felt like I was at the pinnacle of my 
you know, independent young adult life. Um, I was living the dream, the college life, and I didn't want that taken away. And so you know, I was pleading with God, and like, if I never have to play sports again, like, I won't. Like, I will just give me the ability to walk. That's all I want, and to just get my life back to as close to where it was before. But little did I know, you know I just suffered a severe spinal cord injury, and it would be, you know, my life would never look the same. Seven Yards, it's really told by you and uh, your family members and, and other people, doctors and your wife, uh, throughout the movie, because it's a documentary that you're looking back on this and telling the story. So at one point, your mom is is being interviewed, and she's talking about those first few days of you being in the hospital. And she was all worried. All these thoughts came to her head about your future, you know, that, you know, are are you going to be able to walk? Are you going to be able to, to get married? What kind of life are you going to live? And she was getting all caught up in these worries. She was basically borrowing all this worry. That's a That's a term that my wife taught me that I love. And then she decided... I need to snap out of this because God's God's got this. And then she said, and we all just need to suit up. And <laughs> and I thought I looked at my wife and I said, Well, he's got to be on suit up now because she's promoted the uh, podcast. And and so I appreciated her saying that. One of my early podcasts here on Suit Up was with Sterling Thomas, a young man here in Tulsa who went through the same thing. He was midway through his freshman year playing college football, gets hit and paralyzed, and uh, he's been unable to walk. When when I was talking with uh, Sterling about about what happened to him, he was really focused in on wanting to walk again, much like you you were. You have since not focused in on that. Is that, uh, what's the reason for that change of thought? Yeah, you know, at first, um, you know, that transition from being, you know, an athlete uh, to now being a quadriplegic was, that was life-altering. You know, like, my identity was an athlete. Like, that's how I identified myself, um, was this strong athlete. And so now, like, who am I? And I was lost, and I felt like, wow, I got to get that back. I got to get back who who I am and who I was, and that's going to be through my strength, my physical strength. Um, so that's where I kind of put all you know, like my marbles in was to walk again and to be independent. And then, you know, as I you know, just lived life and I began to see that, well, I might have valued, you know, being an athlete. And that was important to me. It, it's not important to everybody. And it certainly wasn't important to um, my happiness and success, like I thought it did. And so, you know, I begin to see that, you know, people care about, you know, who you are as a person, the love that you give and you can receive, like, that's what really matters. Um, not how fast you can run or how high you can jump or how many tackles you can make. And, um, once I started to kind of see that for myself and then realize that, I'm, you know, I'm still valuable and, um, worth it, although I have my physical limitation, I begin to see and been begin to have contentment with where I was at, you know, in a in a wheelchair. 
And, you know, happiness isn't measured by stats. And there's people who can run, jump, and swim who are unhappy. And so uh, happiness has, you know, very little or nothing to do with your physical abilities and everything to do with your mindset, with your perspective on life. And so it just took time for me to see that. Um, But then once I did this graduation walk and was able to inspire you know, millions of people, over 300 million people saw that video and were really moved and impacted by it. Um, I was then motivated to inspire others. Like, how can I use my life experiences to make a positive difference in somebody else's life? And so that was honestly what drove me to then walk the seven yards with my wife, Emily, because I didn't want to walk for myself um, because adding that layer of pressure to make this physical goal happen was a lot when, you know, weddings already, there's a lot already going on. Um, so I really didn't want to do it for myself, but I wanted to do it for somebody else who maybe is feeling hopeless. And if I could give them a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel through this wedding walk, I'm going to do it. Chris, was there a time after the accident that you hit an all time low and questioned your faith Yeah, I mean, I feel like it happened multiple times. It wasn't like just one moment um, because, yeah, I I had to wrestle with that faith and fear because what I could see and what was before me was a mess. Like, my life was completely shattered and everything I hoped and dreamed of felt like it just got destroyed right before me. And so... You know, as you know, someone of faith, I have learned that you know, God can take you know your mess and, and make it into a message, and these broken pieces, and you can turn it, you know, make it into good if you if you love Him and believe in Him. But there's lots of times where I'm like, "Are you serious? Like, I think you got your hands full. Like, I don't know. I think you might have made a mistake. Like, this doesn't seem right. Um, I don't know how." anything good could ever come from my spinal cord injury and how my life is. And so I I had those questions um, and I had to wrestle with that, but I just kept going back to the word and what the Bible said. And uh, I had to make that choice to believe in what it said and choose that faith over fear. And that's a decision that wasn't, it's not a one and done thing. It's something that, you have to make repeatedly. And so that's what I kept doing is repeatedly make that choice of faith, even though it was honestly the hardest choice to make. Talking with Chris Norton, motivational speaker, and he is the subject of the uh, new movie uh, called Seven Yards. In Isaiah forty-one thirteen, it says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear I will help you. And what I love about that is that whatever someone is going through, it doesn't say, I will help you to be able to walk. It doesn't say, I will help you to become whatever it is that you want to become, that you're not currently. It just says, I will help you. And I think the help you, and this is what I love about where you're coming from, Chris, is that I will help you to figure out why you're on this earth in the position that you're in and how you then 
can do my will to help others discover me or to strengthen that relationship with me. And that's one of the things I love about the movie. So is the does the movie depict Emily way too good, Chris, or is she everything we think she is based on what we see in the movie? I mean, Emily, like, she's one of, like, those people who wears her heart on her sleeve. Like, she is who she is. Like, she has the strongest morals and values, like, I've ever met in somebody um, and she will follow those morals and values to the T and she's always been like that. I guess even in high school, I didn't know her in high school, but um, she just has always had this very strong conviction for doing the right thing, for serving others um, to just, yeah, just being an example of love and kindness, uh, a woman of faith. And yeah, so she, she's very authentic and very genuine and it's just that, kind of person and so you know when i first met emily um you know first i had to like keep it together like my jaw was dropping like wow she's beautiful she's way out of my league just act like you've been here before <laughs> and you know keep it together um because you know i was blown away and she's just not like a surface level person um she's just someone who who just really goes deep as far as like um to get to know you. And, um, that's why she makes it such a great mom now too. Like, you know, our kids, um, so because we haven't mentioned it that we started fostering mm-hmm. and then we've adopted as well. And, you know, all these kids, they've all dealt with trauma and they have, you know, things from their past that they have to deal with and sometimes relive and flashes come back. And, um, you know, that it's, there's a deep, pain inside and sometimes that can come out in different behaviors and Emily can really get to the root of it really well um, and and not look at the behavior itself but why the behavior is happening and she can really help these kids heal um, so no she's remarkable um, she's just a go-getter and has stretched me in ways that I, you know, I never could imagine especially you know being a dad I will tell you, I feel the same way about my wife, Suzanne. We'll be celebrating 30 years together here really soon. And uh, Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. But I'm listen, I'm the same. I, I, I don't know how I, the Lord blessed me with her because I, I can say all the same things. She's beautiful. She's loving. And she takes such good care of me. It's incredible, but she's a, a wonderful mom, a good friend to everyone. And so I know where you're coming from when you feel like, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to get, you know, a wife that is on that kind of level. And so I get that. I want to ask you, though, Chris, before I let you go, if someone wants to be able to get you to come out and be a speaker at whatever event, where would they need to go? Would it just be to your homepage? Yeah, uh, chrisnorton.org is my website. Um, that's where uh, you'll have contact there. Um, I have the motivational speaking information. My, I have a nonprofit as well, the Chris Norton Foundation, uh, information about the books, the film. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great spot to go. You can sign up for my newsletter, social media. That's the best spot to go to. But yeah, speaking is something that you know, I love doing and being able to share my life experiences to um, en- encourage other people and give them the steps to 
um, overcome adversity, to really just navigate the changes and the obstacles that life and work present. And I, I want to throw this out, too, that I had asked Chris if I could connect him and Sterling together, because Sterling is a few years younger than Chris, uh, but obviously both football players who suffered a paralyzing injury in their freshman year of college football, and so they have a lot in common. And uh, he just right away said, yes, you know, here's my number, uh, give it to Sterling, and if if I can be of help to him, then uh, he would. Uh, I wish you all the best, and and I'm so thankful that I watched that movie. People can follow you on Facebook and on Twitter if they'll just uh, go to Chris Norton. You have a blue mark uh, for for your Facebook page. Congratulations. That That's an accomplishment, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but, for sure, and Instagram. Insta- and Instagram, yes, sir. So um, what piece of, of advice, as we let you go, Chris, would you want to – to be the last thing you leave with an audience? You know, something that was really important to me in the hospital and still important for me today is to understand that your future will take care of itself when you take care of today. And sometimes you don't know where you're going, uh, but the most important thing is that you keep going. You keep, you keep taking one step in front of the other. And, you know, I've learned a lot over the years and when people say they can't what they typically mean is they won't chris thank you so much god bless you chris norton i hope your family i don't know how big your family will get what is it five now <laughs> i know um, seven seven, seven oh. right now. okay we're, well, we're fostering we're co-parenting and then we have our five adopted girls. Oh, that's so awesome. Listen, I hope someday I get to meet you in person before we meet in heaven, um, because I think that would be a great honor for me. Chris, thank you so much for being on the program, and God bless you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. God bless. My thanks to Chris for being a part of the Suit Up series. For more inspirational stories like Chris's, just go to suitup611.com.